and welcome to an all new episode of the Big Eyes Podcast. Man, we have we have a big one today, AD. I know we have a big it's, one it's, today. It's crazy. It's it's great that we have this this going on right now. I'm I'm excited. I'm really hyped. I'm not even gonna hold you. Hey, we we're we are batting we're batting leadoff too. This is my hero. This is my hero for the lookout, and we are batting leadoff. And you know, when you're batting leadoff, you gotta you gotta make sure you get it. You get on base. You get on base. You set your team up to win. And today, we we have a very very special guest. I mean, th- this man this man's resume is absolutely insane. This this man. <laughs> I'm talking, we're talking My Hero, we're talking Black Lagoon, we're talking Blue Exorcist, Demon Slayer, like the list goes on, like Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt, a, a personal favorite. Magi for me, like amazing, Evangelion. <laughs> oh man, so today here, we have the editor of all these great mangas, um, Mr. Mike Montessa. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm great, thank you very much, I'm happy to be on the show. Uh, thank you so much. Do, do you brag? Do you brag about your like? You have to brag about some of this stuff sometimes. When you have the moment, when you have the moment, do you take the moment to brag about it? Uh, I think I just drop the names of the titles that I work on and then just sort of smile and let it hang there. You know. Oh. <laughs> I think that's the humble brag. That's the humble brag. You just you just you just go into the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But of course, that only works with people who know what they are. So, you know, some uh, people don't know what the title is. They're like, "Oh, that's nice." So, <laughs> um, so how you know? But you now, how are you doing today? Like, how are you kind of doing in general? I know your your days are probably much different now um, due to you know current conditions in the in the in the world. You got the pandemic going on. So, yeah. how, have you have your days changed? Like just working through all this, like oh, your okay. work days, yeah. your work schedules, and things like that. Like how how you you know I know things are probably not as as usual as they used to be. Well, you know, oh wow, it's uh, it's been a very interesting time to say the least. Uh, <laughs> way back in March, when uh, so I, I live in. Um, the San Francisco Bay Area, and San Francisco was one of the first cities in the U.S. to uh, basically lock itself down. And I remember that Monday we were in the office. It was around lunchtime, and uh, the announcement came that we were locking everything down. And uh, they told us that um, basically pack everything up and go home. <laughs> um, and so we spent the next couple hours in the office just frantically trying to figure out what we were going to take with us to go home with. We kind of seen it coming, um, you know, the, uh, the week before it was in the air, like we're going to end up having to leave. And so I had already started moving some files to like Google drive and other places where I could get to them. And management was going around and saying, have you got a laptop you can use at home? You know, so <laughs> we knew it was coming. <laughs> um, and then it happened and we all moved, uh, we all went home and basically just started to figure out how to do our jobs at home. Now, we had been able to work at home like once every couple of weeks before, but this was the first time basically the whole operation was moving to home yeah. and uh, everybody was doing it. And after a few, uh, you know, working out the kinks and our workflow and connectivity with the internet and all of that, basically it turns out it's pretty much the same as being in the office, except you're not in the office. And we've discovered that we can 
do a lot of our day-to-day -day operations just as well at home. Um, you know, it's a little different, of course. We got to talk to each other, you know, in like Zoom meetings or Google meetings and chats and so forth. But uh, I've produced, let me see, look at my calendar here. Since we left in, since we went home in March, I have handed off, oh gosh, something like 15, 16 different books. Oh man, that's um, crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, so, but actually it's been very much the same. The interesting thing is, uh, has been like just learning to use a lot of remote stuff. Um, a lot of the Adobe software stuff, uh, like InDesign, Acrobat, and a lot of other things has a surprising amount of uh, ability to allow people to work in different places, but you can work together on the same document. So it's been pretty interesting learning about all that and figuring out how to do it. Yeah, definitely. Do you think that the, um, do you, do you think this is kind of going to be an everlasting thing where it's like, you're going to start seeing a lot more publications and places do more remote stuff and not see the, I'm not going to say not the need for the office, I know, but yeah. more, just working more remotely becomes more of a common thing. I certainly think so. I feel that even after this pandemic is over and the sooner the better, of course, but even after that's, you know, that has passed, I think a lot of companies are going to be doing this sort of thing. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's permanent now to what extent any given company will maintain it. You know, that's up to them, but you're going to see a lot of changes in the way people work. Um, yeah. Globally, you know, uh, I've even read articles. I've heard news stories that uh, a lot of companies based in San Francisco are already moving their office and downsizing it and people who previously were living in really expensive places are moving to somewhere cheaper just because they can they can work remotely now they don't need to stick around yeah. uh, so which one do you prefer like do you prefer being in the office or have you got, gotten accustomed to working remote yeah that's a great question um which do i prefer gosh you know I mean, I I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's easier to edit in pajamas. Like, is it, is it a little more easier to edit in pajamas? Well, it's easier to edit when it's quiet. In the office, I often have a lot of distractions, but at the same time, it's nice to be able to be around people to get instant input and feedback on things and just to socialize, you know, at lunchtime or, you know, on a coffee break. So for me, I like a balance. I like being able to have the office as a place to congregate, but I also like working at home for the the privacy and the ability to focus on what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So, yeah, it's it's definitely been a big change lately. Definitely. Um, so, I, I just want, how, how did what was your first, I guess, moment with like anime and manga? Like, what, what was like your first introduction to to this world that now you are, you know? Currently, like you're like the puppet master now. You got so many things happening. You know, how, how did, what, what was the moment that that kicked off this this journey for you? Oh, I'm gonna date myself heavily here. Um, I'm gonna go all the way back to watching uh, an old TV show called Star Blazers. The Japanese title of that is Uchusen Yamato. Um, Star Blazers was an old uh, uh, anime that was brought over to the U.S. in the late 1900s. And um, 
It was shown on uh, one of the local stations here. There was a there was a TV personality guy who showed a lot. Surprisingly, he showed a lot of Japanese import uh, TV shows. You know, live action stuff, Sentai stuff, and um, he brought over Star Blazers. I watched that. Really blew me away. It was completely different from American cartoons and animation. It had a continuing story. It had a lot of drama. Main characters died, which was unprecedented. <laughs> American TV shows, they fire off tons of ordnance and no one ever gets killed. But in, in this show, was like, that was the main character and he's dead and everybody's crying. Oh my God, you know, it blew my mind. <laughs> no, it, it, it definitely has that effect. I think that's, I think that is one of the drawing factors for a lot of thing fans of the, it, it just, it gets, it gets negative. Like, that's like just the best yeah. way to say it. Like, yeah, it, it, it gets, it gets, uh, it gets real, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that was when I was a little kid. Later on in high school, I watched uh, Robotech. Oh, man, I remember okay. that. Yeah. And um, that one, you know, it's a similar vein. And again, it had that uh, ongoing storyline. There's a continuity there. You know, again, a lot of heavy drama, main characters getting killed. Loved it. And uh, that kind of deepened my interest. And I had a friend who's had lived in Japan with his family uh, early on in his life. His father was in the Navy over there. And he said, hey, Mike, remember that old show Star Blazers? Yeah. You know, that was Japanese. Really? He said, here's the original show. On, and he had, it on, uh, he had it on VHS. So again, dating myself. Um, <laughs> Watch that. I didn't understand a word of the Japanese, but I loved it. And then uh, he was in college, and uh, I started taking Japanese classes, and that was it. <laughs> um, I mean, that's cool that you study Japanese, because I was wondering, how does the, the you know, especially working remote now, how does that language barrier sometimes, does, like, does that become a, a challenge at, at any moment if you're working with, um, or if you do work with, like, you know, the, the, the actual Japanese writers and, and some of the editors over there? Well, actually, <laughs> I, I think probably a lot of people think that we are talking to uh, the Japanese uh, manga ka and their editors directly, and actually we have very little contact with them at all. Oh, um, man. With wow. the exception of maybe meeting them at a convention. Viz Media speaks to our Japanese partners through our licensing departments. And it's basically our licensing department talking to their licensing department. Okay. Um, okay. Myself and our editorial department and the other editors, day to day, we don't we don't talk to uh, the Japanese editors or manga mangaka. So how do you guys determine your translations? Because I know that's something that a lot of readers will have to like pick it up on. And I, I personally see a lot of people say, you know, they'll try to translate the Japanese of their, you know, they'll have friends who live in Japan and get see like read the, the manga in, in its natural state. But when you guys determine the translations, how do you guys determine that um, coming over for publication? Well, you know, um, it's the editor's job to smooth out the translations, to make them readable and, um, you know, in, some, in whatever capacity is necessary, adapt them for the market. Everybody has their own personal approach to it. Personally, I want to, since I can speak and understand Japanese, I want to have something that's as faithful to the original as possible, but at the same time is a 
good reading experience for the English speaking uh, readers. And fortunately, I'm able to look at, you know, what the translators give me and sort of see where they are. You know, if there's a straight line of a direct literal translation, yeah, it might be exactly literal, but it doesn't read very well. So maybe we can push it one way or the other just to try and, you know, make it flow better. It's an art. It's not, you know, it's it's a science up to the point where, you know, you're dealing with grammar and vocabulary and everything like that. But it is also an art to figure out how far you can push things without, you know, bending them into something unrecognizable or getting too far away from the original meaning. It's definitely been a really interesting, really interesting thing to get into. Yeah, definitely. So are you, a, when, when watching anime, are you a subbed or dubbed guy? <laughs> oh, definitely subbed. Oh, uh, that's <laughs> <interesting stuff. laughs> um, you know. You never watched the dub. Back in the day, I used to uh, I used to get stuff that was taped off Japanese TV. It had no subtitles, no no dub or anything like that, and I'd watch it. And after I had learned Japanese and I was living in Japan, you know, it just got listening to the original language was just the way it was. I never really thought about it that much. Um, so the nowadays the, the dub is always, or not the dub, the sub is always my preference. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in the same boat. I I enjoy seeing kind of the more literal translations of things. Mm -hmm. uh, I when I watch dubbed on like Netflix or something, they have the subtitles like the literal translations, and it's completely different than what the audio is, and it throws me off every time. Yeah, uh, yeah. But no, I I, I am a I am a subbed guy. Uh, around these parts, mm -hmm. I, I, I appreciate both. I, I I can go either or, especially because of how you know the release schedules for a lot of things. You'll get the sub first, yeah. and then the dub will come later. So I'll watch. I'll do it like that. But there are sometimes where I'll just partake in the dub because that's my first time being yeah. introduced into something. Like my first time experiencing my hero was actually with the dub first, and not mm -hmm. the sub or the manga. So it's just you know when you get introduced to certain things that you can yeah. like go from there. I also think it, it, for me, a lot depends on the quality of it. If it's a dub, it really depends on the quality of it. And uh, one of the, actually one of the best dubs that I've seen was the uh, dub for Black Lagoon. Oh um, yeah, that one, is, that one is really good. Yeah, and I was actually a bit surprised. I when I, when I first watched it, I said, "Okay, I watched I watched the you know the original first, and I said, "Okay, let's try the dub." I, I didn't have my expectations too high, but it was actually really quite good. I was pretty pleased with it. Are is it is it cool seeing your the you know the manga you worked on get turned in, into animes and like watching the anime adaptions like to see the panels that you probably worked on and all these things like actually come to life? I I know that feeling is is different you know since i'm just basically producing the english version of these things i'm not really involved in the the creation of the art of the story i think i'm approaching the the anime adaptations of the manga just to see what they did with it i find it very interesting that a lot of times the, the anime that i see uh almost looks like the animators took the the manga and basically used it as a storyboard and then produced that shot for shot sometimes. I, I think it's pretty interesting how faithful the animation can sometimes be to the manga in terms of the layout and the angles of the shots um, and the flow of a particular scene. It's like they opened up the manga and just used it as a storyboard. That I think has its pros and cons. Sometimes I feel that the animation is a little bit too slavishly devoted to 
the manga, in certain places they probably could have taken more advantage of the medium that they were working with, but um, it seems to be a pretty common thing for the, the anime to, you know, the, the Japanese produced anime to cleave very close to the manga uh, source. That's dope. Um, I, I guess, you know, it's been brought up already. I mean, we, we gotta get into it. I think it is, this is, we called it on here, like the new generation's Dragon Ball. Oh, and it's My Hero Academia. Mm -hmm. uh, we, I don't re like legit remember, I mean, Dragon Ball, like you said, is probably the last time I've seen an anime kind of transcend this threshold of, I think there's like things that get kept in like this anime realm. There's some that just surpass it and become like these pop culture phenomenons. Yeah. Uh, and, and My Hero has definitely kind of reached that point where it is this big pop culture thing. You know, when editing on it and when working on it, when first working on it, what was the moment in the story where you read and you were just like, yeah, this this is the one? Like, is there a moment where you're just like, reading it and you know, you're just like, oh, this is... Because for me, watching it, because I'm like AD, I watched it before I started reading it. Mm -hmm. And I, I like the show, but it was the moment between Deathloop and Muscular where I was just like, yo, this is... This is like be something really special here. You know, it was I think it was that fight where I was just like, I haven't popped that hard for an anime moment in a very long time. And uh to, to see that moment, I was just like, yo, this is this is something, this is something way different, way bigger than just a, a really good anime or like uh, mm -hmm. you know, just an anime. Wow, my experience of it is <laughs> pretty different you know I, i'm coming to it as someone producing the 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 english version of it and uh i think we first released it starting in i want to say 2015 something like that and when we first started it was just another new series that was happening in shonen jump i don't remember at the time that we picked it up how well it was doing in japan but um I think uh, the, the the Japanese uh, parent company was saying, yeah, take this one, uh, you'll like it. And we started releasing uh, the English versions maybe a year later. And when it when it first was released, in, you know, the manga, this is, I'm talking about the manga. Obviously yeah, yeah. The, the anime had not come out in the US yet. And sales were modest, you know, um, things were looking all right, um, but it wasn't blowing the roof off. And so then uh, I think it was, when did the anime hit here? 2017? 2018? 2016 or 2017. Yeah, something like that. It was, I think, uh, after the anime came out, we started seeing the sales go up. They started to spike. And um, so for me, you know, I, it's kind of like the frog in the pot where they're just turning the water up, <laughs> turning the heat up on the water slowly, right? So suddenly the water's boiling all around me. I'm going, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, the sales guy was coming over to me and he's, he's saying, you know, Mike, this thing is going crazy. I'm like, really? Whoa. <laughs> you know? um, I, you know, I've been, I was just so absorbed in, in what I was doing. I wasn't really paying much attention to anything else. It really was driven home to me uh, how big My Hero had become at Comic-Con in 2018. We had um, Horikoshi Sensei as a special guest at uh, Comic-Con and, you know, he, he was oh, doing, man. he was going to do the panel and the signings and all of that. And I have never seen 
so much enthusiasm as I saw when, when he was there. Um, and I'm talking, that's even compared to something like Naruto, okay, when we had um, Kishimoto there as a guest. The, the response and the turnout for Horikoshi was insane. Uh, the booth I mean, was probably well you know the the booth was slammed all the special um con merch that we had for my hero sold out uh the panels were <laughs> slammed um it was just crazy absolutely crazy and horikoshi himself it, he was stunned you know i don't i don't know if you know about the daily life of the manga cop but they they live a pretty hermetic oh, existence we, we we read manga that try to like encapsulate that um so we we kind of have an, like we don't actually know like seriously but you, we have been like being become aware of you know they they have a very hard working lifestyle to say yeah, the least. You, you probably read bakuman or at least you've heard of it Yes. I won't say that's 100% accurate, but it's, you know, a good representation of things. Oh, man. Um, and, you know, yes, they, the, those manga, especially the ones on the weekly series, those guys, guys and gals, they work themselves to the bone. I mean, quite literally, they'll roll out of bed and start drawing and then turn off the light late at night after they just can't go anymore, you know? So Horikoshi himself was working on uh, whatever chapter he was working on in the hotel at Comic-Con. Wow. You know, uh, That's crazy. There's, there's just no break. So I have a lot of respect for these, for these manga artists and, uh, and their editors and everybody who's involved with them because it's definitely a, a hard life. Um, but uh, all that said, you know, again, Horikoshi being at uh, Comic-Con and seeing that huge response and all that enthusiasm and the love for what he had produced really, I think, gave him a big boost. And uh, uh, he went away really happy. But I've gotten way away from the original <laughs> Oh, no, it's fine. Uh, yeah, no, the, it's 2018 was when I realized it was it was huge. Yeah, that's, you know, um, so is it is it hard for you to kind of read some mangas and seeing it from a, a fan point of view, just because you work on them so much, you're surrounded by it. But now, do you ever kind of take a chance to like sit back and look at not even just your work, but any other work, and just be like, oh, like you know, and really be able to sit and enjoy it as a fan? Ah, uh, you know, that's a really interesting question. I mean, I I've been interested and involved with manga and anime in one way or another most of my life. I obviously have my own favorites as a fan oh we need i need to know the mount rushmore what's the yeah. what's the, 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 the mount rushmore yeah <laughs> oh this is always hard so I, i'm just gonna name a bunch of them but i won't put them in any order but these are my top five. First one that comes to mind is slam dunk is so good and I, I can't say I'm much of a basketball fan, but I love Slam Dunk. So well done, so well written, so much character. The pacing is unbelievable. Uh, I'm just thinking about the very last volume and the final moments of that game they were playing. I still get, my, my hair still stands up. It's it's that good. No, it is um, a beautiful. It is beautiful. And I think that the, the cultural um, impact that it had is... Yes. It's one of like it's one of the biggest things. Um, rest in peace to the great Kobe Bryant. But when oh, yeah. Kobe, I, I did we did an episode on here talking about Slam Dunk and just and how much 
like how that manga really changed how like basketball was viewed viewed as mm -hmm. um, you know it, it became more of an entertainment as than just sport and you mm -hmm. know Oh, sorry. Uh, I was just—I was just thinking. I—I I was in Japan in the, uh, the early and mid '90s when Slam Dunk was originally running, and at that time, I remember that uh, basketball in Japan was becoming really big. I, I think the NBA had just figured it out and started doing a lot of marketing over there. But it wasn't until much later, when I started working on Slam Dunk, that I realized just how much of an impact Slam Dunk had in Japan in terms of popularizing basketball in that country. And I've met so many Japanese people who, you know, they may not be J basketball fans, but they absolutely love Slam Dunk. I mean, it was just really a widespread uh, like cultural phenomenon over there at the time. Definitely. All right, so we got we got Slam Dunk. Slam Dunk's yeah, Slam Dunk. uh, one of them. Uh, Slam Dunk, I'm going to say Monster. Oh, uh, Naoki Urasawa's Monster, if you've heard, if you know that yeah. one. I've heard of it, but I, I, I have I not hear read that yet. Monster is quality. Um, if HBO wants to make a series of uh, uh, a manga, Monster would be a fantastic candidate for it. It's a, um, I, I'd say it's a thriller. It's a suspense thriller. It's set in Germany, and the main character is a Japanese doctor, and he's trying to solve a uh, a very complicated and deep mystery. I'll leave it to uh, you and your readers to go look that one up, but Monster is really an excellent, excellent uh, manga, and it's definitely one of my favorites. Definitely. Um, you know, you brought up, you know, quick quick turn here, you know, you brought up adaptions. Are you a fan of live adaptions? I mean, we, you know, Promise Netland is getting one for Amazon. Um, they're turning that into a TV series. And so, it's, you know, have you, do you, are you a fan of like, anime live adaptions or have any type of like do you do you have any type of quarrel with them like what are your thoughts on like the live adaptions of, of things I, I can't say i have like a quarrel with anything because i'm always interested to see what the producers do with it any any tv or film producer that is going to make an adaptation of a japanese manga or anime property is facing tremendous challenges going in and it's always a question of how well did they do? Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Will they, you know, what choices will they make? How will they present things? You know, what are they going to really deviate from? I feel like I'm kind of a realist. I know that you can't make a live adaptation of a manga shot for shot. It just won't work. You've got time, you've got budget considerations, all kinds of different things. Um, so it's always a, a question of can you make a good adaptation, which is faithful to the original that uh still captures the essence exactly basically. it has to capture the essence it has to hit the right beats it has to give the fans what they want without being give the fans what they want and yet also manage to speak to a larger audience that's going to watch that thing yeah um, it's it's a very difficult process and um I don't really know if I've seen anything that actually blows it out of the water yet, but you know, there's time. <laughs> yeah, there definitely is. That's I think now, I think now is going to be a little different, um, especially yeah. because I feel anime is now looked at as I think anime and our manga is 
more respect now as a as a true kind of form of like it's not just a japanese thing anymore yeah. like americans have really bought into it so now they're putting a, a lot more energy time and thought into it yeah. uh i think especially because a lot of anime adaptions or the ones that do get adapted are kind of these big shonens um yeah. you know that people want to do which i feel because of how you know, outside the box shonen can be sometimes and how just over the top it can be, it makes it very hard. Uh, I do like it though when they try to do other things. Like I think like the, the Promise Neverland, for instance, it could be um, could be something done very well just because it's not kind of like My Hero where you got all these like powers happening or whatnot. It's a, it's a story a little bit more grounded a bit. Yeah. So it could definitely be something more on the realm of, you know, Stranger Things and, and things of that realm that have been done before. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think that if someone tried to do a, a My Hero live live adaption, it would be, I think they would face so much more challenges because they have, you know, all these special effects that probably have to go into it and all these other things that kind of have, uh, that, that come with doing a big shonen like My Hero. Yeah. Um, something I just I just thought of, you know, you're talking about adaptations of manga and so forth. Um, in Japan, quite a large number of uh, primetime TV dramas and so forth are adaptations of manga, and it's usually not sci-fi or fantasy manga. It's more like um, shoujo type or slice of life type manga. If you're watching some romantic drama on TV in Japan, there's a high probability it's adapted from a manga. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the the, the Japanese are already doing it to some extent, but they I haven't really seen them do a lot of, uh, you know, the more like shonen type stuff, probably just because of like budget limitations and whatnot. <laughs> Definitely. I know I know that uh, that United States smash is I know that's going to cost a lot of money to put on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So we have Slam Dunk. We have Monster with number three in the you know on on the list the the unofficial official list i gotta say akira oh uh, you know i gotta say akira I, I can't leave that off it's extremely influential not just for me but for uh a lot of people <laughs> um I, I came to that one like many did through the movie first um before i read the the manga yeah, that one, uh, I, I, I have the, the full set on my shelf and uh, I go over that every once in a while. Um, definitely a very influential manga for me. Yeah, I remember, I still remember the first time I watched the movie and I was so like drawn in and locked in. Like I was, this is I, not even just anime i've ever seen or anime movie any of that this is one of the best things i have ever watched like in my life I mean, you know it's like you said it really it this changed the game like akira yeah. really is you can really pinpoint the moment where manga and all like anime took this you know took this shift mm -hmm. um and i think that's kind of like the pinpoint right there of just like uh, akira just completely changed the culture and completely changed how people even just view this art form um, yeah. in general and what, what could be done with yeah, it. Absolutely. I think also, you know, it, it's one of those, uh, it's one of those movies, one of those properties that has also influenced a lot of influential people 
um, in the media world. Um, yeah. You know, how many producers and directors down in Hollywood have seen that and have, you know, had that, you know, influence what they were thinking about and what they were doing, right? Just very, a, a very important part of the whole manga picture, manga and anime picture, yeah. So th those are my top three. Um, but you said, I, you said five, so the other two, for me, they're kind of a rotating thing. <laughs> so they're more like current favorites. I'll tell you, one of them is Golden Kamui. Oh man, I was just watching some of that last night. It's, I, I, yeah. I work on that one, and of the current titles that I work on, that's probably my favorite. It's uh, it's just really amazing. I, I, I love it to death. Um, the, the story is extremely interesting. The setting is uh, really interesting. The characters are great. Uh, plot really keeps moving along. There's always lots of twists and turns. There's stuff that you want to look away from, but you can't <laughs> watch a train wreck, you know? Uh, um, yeah, Golden Kamui is just amazing. I love it. How do you feel about some of the food that they cook in Golden Kamui? You know, it's really, really interesting. Um, you know, you, you think about it and you go like, oh, wow, they're eating seal eyeballs. Gross. <laughs> um but then again, you know, wait a minute, we're talking about, you know, people who live out in the wilderness. They, they're not going to the supermarket to get anything. They've got to survive. Yeah. So they're doing what they need to do. And it's just, it's just fascinating because there's one of the great things. Okay. You're talking about food and golden kamui. <laughs> <laughs> the, the main character, um, Sugimoto, he's Japanese and he has a little tin of um, miso. You know what miso paste is? The brown soybean paste? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he gets that out occasionally and he puts it in his soup. And the uh, little Ainu girl, Aserpa, she looks at him and she laughs and she goes, that looks like poop. You're eating poop. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks at her and he goes, well, you're eating eyeballs. That's gross. <laughs> and so right there, it's just your perception of food, right? Yeah. To, to, to the girl, she thinks he's eating poo. And to him, he looks at her eating eyeballs and, and he thinks that's gross. So, you know, you think it's delicious. Somebody else thinks it's gross, but it's all based on your perspective. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's one of my favorite things about it. Um, you know, they they show the different ways, not different ways, but there are different ways. Yeah. Um, you know, they have the bear. They have like the different things that, you know, you can cook out of these different meals, like the different body parts of all of these animals. And it's right. just like, they explained also to like the history of what they do with the Ainu um, culture, sometimes mm -hmm. how they prepare this stuff. And it's like, oh man, it's it's a lot more than just food. It's a cultural thing. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. The, uh, the creator of that one, Satoru Noda, I've not met him and I don't know much about him, but I'm pretty sure he lives in Hokkaido. <laughs> um, and the the depth of uh, the the knowledge that he he presents in the story, um, it's just really fascinating. It's a it's great because the subject matter is not something a lot of people are familiar with. The setting has echoes of the American Old West, but it's kind of you know at an angle to it because it's not the late 19th century; it's the early 20th century. So there's more technology involved there. Um, yep. There's interesting historical things going on uh, with like Russia and Japan, and oh, it's just it's just fascinating. I love it. Yeah, same here. Same here. Um, ah. 
And then I think number five on my list uh, of, of, and the other one in sort of my rotating current spot, I'd say it's uh, Gundam Thunderbolt. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. Talk to me. Uh, He's Gundam. He's all Gundam. I, I hear the excitement of a fan in here. That's great. I love it. Um, yeah, Thunderbolt. Um, when I when I pitched it to the editorial group a few years ago, I said this is sort of like it, it's the same way that Battlestar Galactica was redone. You know, it had a really not that Gundam ever really didn't have a gritty edge, especially if you go back to the original series, but uh, Thunderbolt, I felt, really brought things forward in terms of its tone and the feel. It is set in the uh, the original Gundam setting. It's not one of the spin-off settings. So it takes place kind of concurrently, at, the, at least at the beginning of the series, it takes place at the same time that the original Gundam story was happening. Uh, the Universal Century stuff. And um, it really runs its characters through the ringer. <laughs> um, no, it really does. Um, you know, I think that's, I mean, when you're talking about that gritty edge, um, and that's what really has drawn me to, you know, what drew me to Thunderbolt. Because yeah. you know, I'm, a, I'm a huge Gundam fan in general. And mm -hmm. I... You know, one thing I love about Gundam is, I mean, you got these, you know, you got these big robots that are doing these amazing and cool things, and it's really colorful, and, um, you know, like, just the whole mecha genre is yeah. something that I, I truly love, but when Thunderbolt, it was the first, I want to say the first time, but it's like, I think that was when I was just like, yo, these are, like, actual humans yeah, <laughs> in, yeah. these, in these bots. And I'm like, these are actual humans with actual issues and actual, like, you know, who have yeah. this, like, who know that, you know, that possibly die, like, and really tap into the emotion of who is really piloting these, um, you know, these yeah. Gundams, who are yeah. piloting these, these bots. And that's what really uh, I love so much about Thunderbolt. Also, that is one of the best, I put the, I put Thunderbolt in terms of how it's drawn and how it looks. I put that up there with like Unicorn, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, beautiful, how beautiful it looks. But no, the the fact that you just tap in really into the, the emotion of who who is really piloting these bots and the the true fear that they have just being inside of it yeah. um, is, is one of my favorite things about Thunderbolt. I like that the, um, you know, you, you get, you get a good look at the characters on both sides the uh, the federation characters and the xeon characters and you find things about them that you like and you find things about them that you dislike and one of the interesting things i think ab about that is you know why are they fighting they really don't know why they're fighting there's there there is no really... sides really what it yeah, feels like exactly and um when they get into the you know the big battle scenes and everything of course those are really flashy and that's your big fx moments and all of that but at the same time it, it's very emotional uh and it's really personal and um it's very painful yeah um, all, almost all the characters in, in thunderbolt are really suffering you know and um it's a it's a war story and ultimately in a war you know, it's just sort of showing you how it just damages and destroys everything. Definitely. Um, and um, when I, I'm, I'm on volume 15 now, I think. And uh, 
it's it's really gotten to a point where uh, myself and the the guy who our our copy editor who works on that we we sometimes talk about it and you know i'll say to him hey man did you see did you see that 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 big splash page there and he'll just go yeah and then we don't even need to say anything it's like that was just unbelievable <laughs> you know? like, i can't believe uh, they did that <laughs> yeah i man i I love it. I just love it so much. Oh, you no, know, Thunderbolt. <laughs> One of my favorite parts is the first time that Isle and Daryl speak. Yeah. And he makes a joke about his legs. And he said, <laughs> please don't joke about my legs. I yeah. don't I think when um I think that moment right there really lets you know the type of story you're into. Because the fact that, you know, he, he immediately takes a jab at him having no legs. I was like, oh, this is this is kind of dark. I was like, this, yeah. is, this is gonna get very dark. It does, um, you know, it, it taps into, like I said, it taps into that emotion. You know, what war really, no, not what it feels like, but like when sides are fighting and these are just soldiers taking orders, but they really yeah. don't know why they're out there. They really don't yeah. know why they're still fighting. But you know, at the end of the day, they put their duty above. They put their duty above, kind of like their emotions at the time. Yeah. Of like, listen, I'll, at the end of the day, I'm still a fighter, and I still have to fight, and I still have to win for my side. And those two characters, Eo and um, Daryl, you know, the, the main characters, they're they are both the best pilots on either side, and. At this point in the game, they really don't want anything else than to go up against each other. You know, that's that's all they want to do. And they've kind of, at first, they were both sort of denying that. And But now, especially Daryl, he's more like, I, I've admitted it. All I want to do is go out there and kill that guy. And uh, all you people need to get out of my way. You know? <laughs> uh, so it's, it's just really, uh, it's just really tense. It's always intense. Um, there's always a lot of twists and turns, and the um, Otagaki, the, the 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 artist, the creator of that, even with his um, his physical uh, impairment, he's he's had bad tendonitis in one of his hands. He's still managing to to draw a really highly detailed, very well laid out, uh, extremely kinetic uh, story. Um, I just love it. Definitely, and like so. You know, you, you're the editor and you've overseen a lot of different mangas, you know, um, all with different tones and different, just different tones, different themes and all that. How does your mindset, in a sense, change when you're, when you're working on, you know, say something like a Demon Slayer, but then you have to talk to something like No Fun Life? Which are, I think are two completely op like, you know, they're, they're opposite in tone and feel and setting. So how does your mindset kind of, you know, how do you just shift? Like, okay, like when you're reading the story, like how do you, how do you start shifting and being like, okay, I, like it looks better in this direction, or, you know, how, how, do, how does that affect you? Well, you know, since I'm simply working with the, uh, the English dialogue, I, mm -hmm. I, I guess I try to hear the characters' voices in my head. You know, like, okay, who who would I cast as this character if there was a movie, right? Wow. Um, <laughs> what what does their voice sound like? And you're you're right, there are different tones. Like you just mentioned, No Gun's Life. That's sort of a noir cyberpunk story. So that has a different voicing and a different sort of OST in my head than, let's say, My Hero Academia or something else. You know. So yeah, I'm trying to 
you know, look at like the, the translation and the script and the dialogue and think about how that, how those characters sound and whether or not the dialogue is reflecting that. Um, again, trying to pay attention to, you know, maintaining the integrity of it and keeping it close to the original Japanese and the artist's intent and their, and the character's own actual voice. Um, so yeah, I do. I guess I, I shift around in terms of how I hear. I, I guess that's what it is. I'm hearing the manga. I'm hearing the soundtrack for it in my head as I'm reading through these things. Wow, that's. I never really thought about that. Like why you're editing on it and and trying to, in a sense, cast while you're reading. Sort of. Yeah. I, I guess you just kind of fall into that naturally because you know you're reading it, so the character has a voice and it's got to sound like something. So yeah. maybe. I'm, of a particular actor's voice who I feel might be good for that. Whether or not anybody would agree with me, it doesn't matter. <laughs> that's just my you, ever find, you ever find yourself just like putting on music just to like fit the mood or like, I do. you know? I do. Definitely. <laughs> oh, I do. man. I was listening to, uh, believe it or not, <laughs> when, I was, when I was editing uh, a couple volumes of Thunderbolt, I was listening to some Evangelion. Oh, of, man. That really worked well. I was listening to uh, uh, what was I listening to when I was listening to uh, when I was working on No Guns Life. I put on like the Blade Runner soundtrack. Um, <laughs> you know, do you, do you like lean that. more towards uh, like do you lean when you're putting on music? Do you lean more towards a uh, actual music that's like what it sounds like, or do you lean more towards like movie soundtracks or like anime soundtracks that are a little bit more fitting towards a, what you're working on? I think I go for the movie soundtracks because there's no there's no lyrics, and okay. I can't concentrate if there's lyrics. Okay. You know, I, I just need instrumental stuff that works a bit better for me. Um, not always, but most of the time. I mean, honestly, probably eighty percent of the time, I'm actually listening to like jazz. the free jazz. Because there's no there's no lyrics, you know. So I can concentrate on the on the text. Okay, Definitely. Man. All right, we got a we got a, we got a couple curveball questions for you. All right, here's some here's some fun ones. If you had if you had to pit two main characters against each other, who would you of the mangas that you worked on? Two main characters, you know, a one on one battle. Who would you want? Or who who's your dream matchup? <laughs> two main characters. Oh boy. Um... <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be kind of ridiculous. I like uh, Sugimoto and Golden Kamui. Okay. Oh man. Because he's unstoppable. <laughs> I mean, man is immortal. <laughs> he, he's a nice guy, but don't make him mad. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, the other one, gosh, it's kind of unfair to put this guy up against uh, Sugimoto, but I'm thinking of um, uh, Koichi in My Hero Academia Vigilantes. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> oh man! That's Koichi a... is Koichi is really one of my favorite characters. Is um, he? Yeah, I like him a lot. I when I first started reading Vigilantes, it took me a second to to warm up to to him, and slowly yet surely it has happened. At first, I was just like, eh, I, I was leaning on him. I was like, I don't, I don't know yet. I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to go two feet in on this character. Let me, let me dabble in a couple others. Yeah, and I like I, him I, he's clueless. He's completely clueless. That's <laughs> he has why I, like no idea what's going. <laughs> I don't. 
Have, have you ever seen there's a there's a meme that I love where there's like a bug sitting on a computer and it says I have no idea what I'm doing. That's that's what, <laughs> that's what I feel like he is out of the battlefield when he's just doing anything. But somehow, some way, he just it works out for him. Like yeah. he really has. <laughs> oh man, I wouldn't mind seeing um, Sugimoto against Knuckle Duster to be honest. Oh like, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, Knuckle Duster's cool. I like him a lot. For some oh, reason, man. Knuckle Duster reminds me of um, oh, who is that character in Sin City that Mickey Rourke played? Oh, you uh, ain't. Uh, oh, I don't remember oh. the character's name, but he was the big. He was the main one. Of the, the main character in Sin City, and he Knuckle was. Duster reminds me a lot of that guy. <laughs> Marv. Marv. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Marv. Knuckle uh, Duster kind of kind of reminds me of Marv. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you, yeah, that that would be another another fun battle. Um, I would like to see Yusuke and Tanjiro. Tanjiro, <laughs> bro, no, that that is a murder. I want to do it. That's a murder scene. No, no the kid final, is only like the kid is only final, like fourteen. Final form, final form, Tanjiro when he when he masters like all the breathing techniques. <laughs> At the end. <laughs> and, and, and Demon Yusuke, let's see what I just want to see if Tanjiro is really dedicated to Demon Slayer life. If he can slay Demon Yusuke, Demon King Yusuke. <laughs> uh, that would be interesting to see. Mm. <laughs> I just want to see it. Listen, if he's a demon, you got to play the demons, right? Look at the spirit detective. We're, we're, we're going to be really dedicated to the job. <laughs> let's let's get some jump force DLC and put Tanjiro in, and we can make that happen. Right. Um, <laughs> we did it. Um. Yeah. If you can live, all right. One, one more. We get out of here. We can live in any of the universes that you have created. Which one would you want to live in? Um. Well, I didn't create any of them. Are not created, but have worked on. I say, uh, you know, if you want to live in any universe that you have worked on, I've um, worked on. Hmm. Uh, well, Gundam Thunderbolt's too terrible. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a wasteland, man. Yeah. Uh, what would be nice? Maybe Blue Exorcist. Ooh. Yeah. That, looks like that wouldn't be bad. That wouldn't be bad. That looks like fun. Blue Exorcist is like Tokyo with a great big magic city in the middle of it. Yeah, maybe that would be good. I think that would be kind of fun. That, yeah, that seems, that seems fun. Yeah. You would just Blue have to worry about or... probably some demons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. You ever you ever thought about what your quirk would be if you ever had a quirk? Oh God, my quirk. <laughs> <laughs> My quirk would probably be uh, being extremely well organized. <laughs> so I could get all my work done. Oh, man. Well, Mr. Fontessa, thank you so much for, uh, man, just giving us your time, you know, allowing us to you know, talk talk to you about you know, something I feel that we're we're all fans of um, and, and just love. And I, I appreciate you just coming in, man, just having fun with us. Uh, thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's been great. Um, yeah, I, I love talking to fans, you know. Most of the time, I'm buried, my face is buried in the computer screen. 
And um, when I talk to fans at cons, that's always where I'm sort of reminded that's where the rubber hits the road. You know, it's it's great to see that enthusiasm. Uh, again, it just reminds me that what I'm doing is giving people some enjoyment and happiness, and uh, we could all use more of that right now. Definitely. Definitely. And, you know, yeah, that like. I, I appreciate just how hard you guys still are continuing to work to give to give us all this, you know, to, to allow us to, you know, have these have these little joys in life, man. These, these yeah. joys that make the day seem much easier. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any like words of wisdom for anyone that is, you know, pursuing either a career in you know in the manga field or um, an artist, a writer, someone who wants to be in the, you know, someone who wants to be the next Mike Montessa. Like, you know, who, who like, what? <laughs> oh, God. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, man, you know any, any words of wisdom? I, I think if you're pursuing a, a career in, um, in a creative career, um, whether it's in publishing or uh, some other art form, really the best advice is to do it as much as you can in whatever capacity you can um you know if you're a writer write um write for your own blog write for somebody else's website just keep on doing it and the more you do it and the more people you work with then that's when the opportunities start to come your way. You never know when they're gonna come or where they're gonna come from, but by engaging in what you love, then you just create more chances to do it. So if you're a writer, keep on writing. If you're a musician, keep on playing. If you're an artist, keep on drawing or painting um, in whatever medium it is that you work with, you know, just keep doing it. And don't do it because you know, don't do it because you think you're going to get rich. Do it because you love it. Then, you know, you may not ever get rich. <laughs> Chances are you won't. But at least you will be happy with what it is that you do. Wow. That, that was, that was beautiful. Look, that's that's, the, that's, that's the, the way to sign off, man. But once again, um, you know, Mr. Montesta, thank you again so much for uh, joining us and talking with us about, about manga today. Oh, thank you, guys. I mean, it, yeah, and if you guys want to do this again, I'm open to it. Definitely. Oh, definitely. Uh, um, you know, fans that are listening to this, if you know, you want to continue to listen to all the great things you're doing, because remember, it is My Hero Week. You know, make sure that you listen and subscribe on the Lookout RNC. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, uh, where we got, you know, we have a fun week planned. We have, we have a lot of things. Like I said in the beginning of this, we're bad lead off. So this is this is how we're starting <laughs> off the week. So I want you to know that we got a fun week for you guys because, you know, we, we, we started, you know, we, we hit a lead off home run, you know. So once again, thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you follow the page of Look How RNC. AD, what is up? What's our sign off, man? Please read more manga, watch more anime, drink more water, and, you know, take care. Take care. Peace. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs>